Morning, everyone. In school, it would have been, good morning, Mr. Davidson. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> well, in school, that's what we used to do. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Davidson, you know, whatever. And I, when, they, when, when they did that, there were a lot of grimaces, like, mm. <laughs> Well, good to see you this morning. I'm not sure why all the color is in here today. Is, is that we're promoting something? Get it? Pro- whatever. This morning we're continuing in Matthew chapters 23, 4, and 5. And this is the last of a block, if you would, of five sermons of the Lord Jesus. And it is the crescendo of his work. He's bringing to conclusion, wrapping up all that he has said and done in these chapters to say this, purpose will be fully, completely, and perfectly fulfilled in his people. Amen? This is what's going on, that Jesus is proclaiming this in these chapters. And so last week, remember, we're talking about the signs and the times and all these events, these things that will be happening. And so today we continue in chapter 24 of Matthew with verse 32. Now, by the time we get to verse 32, Jesus has now answered, remember, the, the, the basic questions. When is Jerusalem and the temple going to be destroyed? When, is you, when are you coming back? And what are the signs, you know, if you're coming back, and what are the signs of the end of the age? So he's already given answer to that. And remember, Jesus is not concerned so much with specificity, exact dates and times. So he's not emphasizing the, the, uh, the, the dates of his return, but just he's stating his return. And so in verse 32, he begins to change his attention. And in the rest of the um, chapter 24 and chapter 25 and the rest of this, he begins to prepare his disciples and even us through giving them a series of parables and instructions. He's given them the answer to their questions. Now he wants to prepare them of how to live and anticipate and be prepared for those things that he's already explained. So let's look at verse 32. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as 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 its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Now, when he said he is near, he's referencing himself to the return of the Son of Man. So Jesus is speaking about his own return in the third person. That's what he's doing here. So he says, look at the fig tree. And when you look at the fig tree, you see leaves and you know summer is near. Then when you know summer is near, you know the seasons are coming. You, you begin to understand these are the seasonal changes and this is what to anticipate. 
So Jesus, once again, and he has used, remember, the figure of the, uh, the fig tree in chapter 21. He uses the same illustration of the leaves on the fig tree that signal the summer is near. All these things, when you see all these things. Now, what things are we talking about? Now, our difficulty is that when we read these words, we are reading these words within the context of having the whole New Testament in front of us and all of the Old Testament and how all of this comes together as a great unit. And so when we read these things, we may be thinking of First and Second Thessalonians. We may be thinking of First Corinthians 15. We may, we may be thinking of all these other verses in the New Testament. But these disciples are not thinking that way. Jesus has just listed a bunch of things, events that will be happening. He's just given them nine of them. You remember, we went through those. And so he's continuing to talk in generalities. And when you see the sun, the moon, the stars, remember all of this. So when you begin to see all of these things, what things do you believe the disciples are going to recall? The specific events and those things that he has already mentioned. So all these things. These things are the events of chapter 24. They are the leaves that signal Jesus' soon return. Do we get that? These things, those things that he's already talked about. And then he says, know that I'm at the very gates. Now, when we hear that, he's at the very gates, that to us means the word immediate, right? I'm about ready to return. Is that correct? And so in our context of time, we understand immediate means how fast? Right away. That that means, Chris, that Jesus is going to return, boom, just like that. And they may have thought that too. In fact, it would have been natural for them to have understood that Jesus, and they, I don't know if they quite get it all, because this thing about him dying and being buried, remember, it's still a confusing thing, and he's coming back. And I think probably these men are kind of listening like, oh, okay, okay, you know, how does all this work? How does it come together? They're not getting the whole story. We know that already. But Jesus is telling them anyway. And probably after his resurrection and the giving of the Holy Spirit, and they begin to understand these things, maybe immediately, all these things, he's coming back right away. And there was understanding and thought that the return of Jesus was right away at that particular time period. But you have to remember, when, the word, when God says immediately, his time frame is not ours. When God says immediately, to him, it's immediate in relation to eternity. When? Dad's understanding of soon is not a child's understanding of soon. Our Heavenly Father being fulfilled. Now, can we get that? Can we get this, this word soon, immediately, at the gate? Doesn't have to do as much with a temporal time period as it does with a certainty of his promise being fulfilled. Now, we don't think like that when we read these words, do we? We think 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, one more hour. That's not the essence of what Jesus is saying. Again, what is he saying? I am coming back. 
He's not as much in dating his return as in stating his return. So when we read at the gates immediately soon, please let's remember there's something behind this that he's communicating. Even though it looks like where is he and when is he coming and how much longer? Those are the wrong questions. The statement should be, at his time, he's coming back. Amen? At his own time. Verse 34, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. What things? What things? The, the disciples are hearing this differently than we hear. Do you see that? Do we get that this morning? The disciples are hearing it with a, within a context of their own experiences at that time. So, Charles, when you see these things, what, the, what are the things that Jesus just been talking about? These are the things. This generation. What generation? Well, the most obvious understanding is what generation? What group of people? Those people who are listening to Jesus. Now, does that preclude completely the fact that there will be another generation who will see these same kinds of signs yet intensified and that generation will see the return of the Lord. Does it preclude that? No. It doesn't preclude that. But Jesus is giving evidence through signs, through these events, to these disciples that is coming back. And that evidence is not only for them to be assured that he's returning, but also for those who are living in the same kinds of activities and signs and wonders and seasons and warfare and famine and pestilence and all of that. Those who are living at that period of time when all of this is crescendoing and intensifying those who are living at that time need to hear that same statement that that generation I'm coming back I'm coming back so the question is not when as significantly as the statement that he's coming back okay now we didn't say in here Peter said don't question it don't worry about it. I didn't say any of that I just said let's make more, the most important thing, the significant thing, the significant thing, and the secondary thing, a secondary thing, and let's not flip-flop the primary and the secondary and get them upside down, because we don't want to be a group of people who are more preoccupied with when and how and who and the Antichrist is this guy, and I know that this is happening and that's happening, and begin to try to put it all together. It's okay maybe to do those. But the primary point is, he's coming back. Amen? Amen? He's coming back. So the disciples would have understood Jesus to be speaking about that themselves, their own generation. Verse 36. Oh, heaven and earth will pass away. In other words, this is going to happen. 
Verse 36, but concerning the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son of Man, but the Father only. Who knows when Jesus is coming back? Who knows? Only God. Now, what does that say to us? That says to us that we have to be very careful. Jesus says, I don't even know. Now, who knew biblical prophecy better than Jesus? Who? Who knew biblical prophecy better than Jesus? Who knew the prophecies of Daniel the best? Who? Jesus. Jesus. Who knew the prophecies of Zechariah and of the general signs and times God has given it to him? We've heard it. We've read it. Now, let's face it. If he doesn't know, then what teacher or preacher on the radio, on television, or in churches knows? Yet we hear them say what? As if they know. It's not incorrect to be looking at signs and times and evaluations of events. But we must not take the next step of being too dogmatic with this stuff. Because Jesus himself said, the Father hasn't told even me. Even me. No, therefore no man on earth will know the specific moment. Correct? We will know the season. And so to illustrate that, you'll see in a moment. Jesus said, let me show you something. Let me show you how this is going to happen. 39, verse 39. As it was in the days of Noah. Do you remember Noah? Some of you remember Noah? Who remembers Noah? Wow, a lot of old people in here. I didn't say who remembers reading about Noah. I said who remembers Noah. You have to be careful. When an English teacher says something, he says it differently than maybe what you were saying it. <laughs> I'm the only one who knows Noah. <laughs> as it was in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Just as it was in those days, it is today. Now, what was it like in the days of Noah? Listen. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking. Now, how many of us today are eating and drinking? Only a few of you are. How many of us had anything to drink today? How many of us had anything to eat today? Yes, we're eating and drinking. It's, what I've heard is that when we come to this verse, there are those who try to make that generation during Noah so different than ours. And yet eating and drinking is what we all do. Isn't that correct? Some of us, you know, do it at different times in different ways, but we're all eating and drinking. Okay. They were marrying and giving in marriage. Anybody marrying and giving in marriage? Is marriage still happening among us? So do we see anything really weird and odd about this? It's normal daily living until the day when Noah entered the ark and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away 
so will also be the coming of the Son of Man. We're going out to dinner tonight, sweetheart. Let's go to the theater. I'm going out to cut my grass. Hey, let's do this. Let, okay. Nothing perverse was mentioned. Do you notice that? So we need not make, well, that generation was so perverse and we're going to see such perverse. It doesn't say that, does it? Have you read the same thing that I just read? It means that we're all going about our daily lives. And in the midst of driving to church on Sunday morning, the Lord returns. Just as you're upset about how long that red light was, the Lord returns. Is that what that says? It does say that. So Jesus now then, he says, I don't even know. So let me give you a couple of illustrations that will help you to be prepared. And the illustration of Noah and the days of Noah. Jesus is now warning them to be ever vigilant and ready. I think one of the weaknesses which I see in the church and this is the only church I really know anything about. I can't speak about other churches. I may look at a few from long distance and read something, but I can't speak about those churches. I'm in this church. But one of the weaknesses that I see in us, and which I see in our own teaching and preaching, and I'm one of the teachers and preachers, so I'm not pointing to other people, is this. We have, I think, not a strong enough and vibrant enough readiness and hope that Jesus could return at any moment. At any moment. At any moment. When you're thinking what you shouldn't be thinking, he could return. When you're looking at what you shouldn't look at, he could return. When you're acting a way you shouldn't, I say you, we, we shouldn't act. He could return. He could return. And we need to live this way. Not in fearful paralysis, but in joyful anticipation. Because how many of you have read 1 John chapter 3 verses 1? And two, and so on. Oh, see what love the Father has bestowed upon us that we, that we, it's a double word, we, that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. And then he says in the next verse three, and everyone, and, and we will be like him because we shall see him as he is. That means when he returns. And everyone who has this hope in him, in other words, a living, vibrant, daily hope, purifies himself even as he, Jesus, is pure. One of the best ways to keep yourselves in Christ obediently and faithfully and dependently, etc., etc., is to constantly realize and affirm this moment Jesus could return. Can you say amen? amen. He's coming back! And it could be at any moment. At any moment. 
let's change our perspective about the world. What the president does or says does not have anything to do with God's calendar. God's calendar is set within his own eternal decree. Can you say amen? Let's not worry about how the Democrats are going to do this and that this year. God's calendar is set by himself. Let's not worry about Russia. Let's not worry about China. Let's not worry about anything. Let us live joyfully and anticipating with great hope. Our God is coming back at any moment. Do you see, with this preoccupation, and I say preoccupation, it will release us and free us from the worldly, self-centered me-ism so that we can be the people of God, glorifying Him in a way that He desires to be glorified, anticipating the return of the Son. How many times in this church, in this church, I've been in this church, Gina and I have been in this church over 40 years. I don't think anybody's been in here that long. And I'm talking about us. How many times can we remember we've had sermons about the return of the Lord? Now maybe I shouldn't say, oh, Peter, don't say that. You know, you have the elders here and Peter. I'm I'm being real. May I be real to you? Not condemning them or me. I think we need to need your prayers and ministry by the Holy Spirit. Because when you read the epistles of the New Testament, I may be wrong about this, but I think everyone, there could be an exception. Everyone, maybe there's an exception. The teaching and the encouragement and the warnings are all underpinned by something about Jesus' return. When you look at First Thessalonians, every single chapter, there are five of them, ends with a statement about Jesus' return. Paul talks about that day. These apostles, I just mentioned First John. Remember? So these men were consumed with the return of the Lord. And they were consumed in such a way that they were free of the distractions of life in order to preach and teach and live the gospel. One of the most stupid and fool comments I have ever heard is too heavenly minded to be of earthly good. Jesus was the most heavenly minded man on earth and he was of the greatest good. Now we're talking about biblically heavenly minded. And we're not church. I am not. I'm not condemning. I'm just speaking. We're not heavenly minded enough. Amen. Let's allow this word, this word that Jesus is speaking to us, to change that. So they're living just everyday life. And as a result, they were unaware that the flood is coming until what? Look at the rain around this place. 
And did you did you, did you watch the news, what was it, several weeks or a month or two ago in Houston, Texas, where they had 20 feet of water, not from the rivers, but from the rain, for goodness sakes. And they say, well, it's impossible for the world to flood because, you know, and all that. And yet we get 20 feet of water from an afternoon rain in Houston, Texas. Come on, church. It's coming. He's coming back. You see, in the same way Jesus is warning the disciples and us to be continually on the alert as we live our lives in continual anticipation of his sudden return. He gives another illustration. Two men will be in the field, one taken, taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, one left. Therefore, stay awake. You do not know on what day the Lord is coming. He gives them another illustration of the constant readiness. Now, is this a scripture which teaches the rapture? Does anybody have an answer? Seriously, do you know? Some may think yes. Some may think no. My question is, whatever you think, will you base your eternal security with God and your salvation on the fact that you're right? Anybody want to step out and say, I know so much that if I'm wrong, I go to hell. How many of you would do that? Well, that means what, Perry? We don't know. Because Jesus says, you won't know. There will be issues. So is this a... You see, two men will be in the field. Come on up. And the rapture occurs. Could it be? Sure, it could be. Jody? Could it be? Sure. Joey? Joe? Yeah, certainly. Could it not be, Jim? Certainly. Steve? Spires? Could it be? Yes. Could it not be, Debbie? Yes. Again, let us not fight over these issues. But let's let Jesus show us that this thing is going to be so sudden that it's going to poof. Hey, where did she go? Hey, where did he go? Well, what that means is when Jesus comes back, he's trying. He's not trying. He's giving. I don't like that when anybody says God is trying. God never has tried anything. God does. Amen? Don't ever say God is trying. God does. We're the ones who are trying. And he's giving illustration of how quick and sudden and immediately he's coming back. Verse 43. Oh, you know, two women. Therefore, what did he say? Stay awake. Stay awake. 43. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. This is not a scripture of someone coming as a thief in the night and the rapture, whatever, although it could relate to that. We don't know for sure one way or the other. I'm not going to tell you my view on it one side or the other. Because I'm not settled on one side or the other. But it is a verse to say what? The most important part of that verse is not the hour and the thief. The most important part is what? Be ready. Be ready for what? 
the absolute certainty of Jesus' sudden return. Be ready for what? The absolute certainty for Jesus' sudden return. Did you hear that? That's what's in this verse. Let's not use it for other means as a primary thing, but let's make the primary. Jesus is saying, be ready, be vigilant, be watching, be awake. And he's giving us illustrations of that. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You see, he says his return will be like a thief who breaks into the house of a man who is sleeping. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Paul has discussed a lot of this. We missed the class. I told you to be in class, and we all missed that Sunday school class. Can you imagine being in a class with the Apostle Paul teaching? He wasn't the greatest orator in the world, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the content of the teaching had to have been mind-boggling. He says, I wrote you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord, what does that mean? The day Jesus returns will come like a thief in the night. Where does he get that term? Where does he get that term? From Matthew, chapter 25, verse 43. And while people are saying peace and safety and everything's fine and nothing's going to happen and we still have another six years to go because the European Confederacy and... He's here. He's here. We must live our lives being ready for the return of the king discerning the times and discerning our own hearts by the Spirit. Are we getting it today? Are we living ready? Have you been living in readiness? Have I been living in biblical readiness? If we haven't, what is Jesus saying to us? Be ready. Be ready. For at any moment, I'm coming back. Look at how to be ready. Look at these verses 45 and 48, 45 through 48, how to be ready. Notice what he says in these verses about being ready. He's already said, discern the general signs of the times. Correct? Do we get that? Correct? Yes. Discern them. We know that we are living closer to the Lord's return than the disciples. How do we know that? <laughs> we still here. So we're living closer. But how are we to be ready essentially? What is the essential readiness that God says that we must be about? What is that essential readiness? Listen to this. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Now that should give you a clue. That should give you a clue. What is the criteria and the heart of us being ready for the return of our master. We are his servants. We are to be what? Wise and faithful servants. You see, right in the beginning of the verse. Whom his master has set over his household to give them food at the proper time. Each of us has a master. And each of us has been given responsibility food at the proper time 
Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Underline that. How to be ready? How to be ready? Look what he says. Blessed is the servant who is doing the master's work of giving food to his people. This is the one who is the wise and faithful servant. This is the one who is ever vigilantly ready and prepared for the master's return. This is it. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. Being ready for Jesus' return is not primarily a matter about dates and events. Notice I said primarily. Right? Primarily, the way to be prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus is to be found feeding his sheep the food of God, the bread of life. Remember John 6.35, I am the bread of life, Jesus says. In fact, he was born in Bethlehem. What does the word Bethlehem mean? The house of bread. How can we be prepared? Well, we have to study the scriptures and know the prophecies. I'm 100% for studying and knowing the prophecies in the scriptures. But that activity must be set upon and based in and out of the primary activity of serving the people of God, the food of God, which is the gospel. You remember in that same chapter of John, chapter 6, <coughs> Jesus says, hey, look at all these people out here. Who's going to feed them? How many, how many, you know, it's, I don't know. I have a fish or two. You know, I got a piece of bread. You remember that? And Jesus said, tell us, sit down. And then he says, Father, thank you. And he blesses. Remember all that? And he sends, here's the key. It says, the wise and faithful and wise servant, what? Is feeding the food. You see that in the other verse we just came out of? Do you see that? The verse. He put that. So, it's an illustration of what we're to be about. We have to feed. So, the disciples, 12 of them, go out and, and do what? Begin to distribute this food that they have received from this little boy. And they reach in there and they give a fish and they reach in there and say, wait a minute. <laughs> How many, how many fish? Hey, 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 this is something, bread. I mean, it, the thing keeps coming and coming and coming. Where is it coming from? It's the same kind of event that happened in the wilderness when God showered the people with manna from heaven. And all of a sudden they realize, we have another Moses with us. We have with us a Moses who delivered his people out of Egypt, and we have that person kind of person back with us. They're associating. Remember that? The wilderness? And the disciples all come back. How much do they have left over? Twelve baskets full of food. What does this mean? As they have fed the sheep of God, they have been themselves what? Fed. You want to be ready for Jesus' return? Anticipate and discern the times. 
Don't argue about them. Discuss it. Fine. Compare scripture with scripture. Fine. And get from the Holy Spirit as best you can understand a revelation of these events and how they come together and what they are meaning for us. Get that. But don't create a systematic theology of eschatology, meaning the events specifically of Jesus' return, so much so that you are absolutely right and everyone else is wrong and you become the arbiter of truth. Let's hold our understandings biblically. Let's hold them passionately. Who wants a wimp? But let's hold them humbly so that as we hold these in our hands, the Holy Spirit can come by and open our hands up to show us what's correct and what isn't and adjust it rather than holding on so tightly that he has to start breaking our fingers to let us make us let it go, right? We have to be careful. Let's feed one another. Feed one another. Well, I'm not a teacher. I don't know. No. Feed one another. Associate. Fellowship. Share. Ask. Be involved with one another's lives. We are God's community that is reflective of the community of the Trinity. As we feed one another in the same way that God feeds us, we are to feed one another in the same way that God feeds us. Listen to this verse from John thirteen thirty four. All of you know it. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. In the same way that I have loved you, you must love one another. We love one another with God's kind of love. That is feeding the sheep. That is the way to be prepared for Jesus' return. What does this love look like? The fruit of the Spirit. Remember the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22, 23? The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Stop. No, no. Love. Stop. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love. It's a singular. Carpos is love. It's singular. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit. One word. Love. Because love is that word, agape, which God has given us to signal and describe his own peculiar, essential, unique, one-of-a-kind love. And what does that love look like? When I am loving and being loved by God, when you are experiencing the love of God, what does it look like? Well, the experience of that love is joy. Do you see it in, in Galatians 5? What is the experience of love? Joy. Whose joy? Whose joy? Jesus says, my joy I give to you. The joy that God experiences in himself among the three persons of the Trinity. The joy of each person of the Trinity over the other. And in the fellowship, the joy of the fellowship that the three persons of God experience in God himself. This is the joy what is the effect of the fruit of the Spirit? What is the effect of love? Peace. Whose peace? My peace I give to you. Not as the world give, giveth I to you. I give you my peace. Peace be with you. Whose peace? God's peace. What is that? It is the peace that God, the settlement, the satisfaction, the content, 
perfection so that God experiences within himself, within this community of three persons. It is peace. Peace. And then what is the expression of God's love? What is it? Patience. Say it again. Patience and all the rest. Long-suffering, faithfulness, goodness, gentleness, kindness. The last one is what? Self-control. What does that mean? It means bringing myself, Billy, under control. No, it means allowing the control of the Holy Spirit to control me and to overcome my flesh and produce in me this love of God. It is the Spirit's self-control of me. How do you be ready? How can we be ready for the return of Jesus? Let us love one another. Amen? Next week we'll talk about chapter 25. Thank you.